0: Together. Thanks
1: for listening to the KC Morning Show.
2: In other news, this city needs its news. News
3: team!
1: Assemble! Yo! What's the word, Kansas City? My name is heart, soul A happy hump day, baby to the KC Morning Hoes. Alright y'all, let's get to it. On the show today, on the show today, as you can tell, I ain't yelling, I ain't screaming. feel like if we didn't talk about what's going on over in Israel, what the IDF is calling their war on Hamas, the Secretary General of the United Nations is calling it a genocide, so there you go. And obviously y'all listen, no decent person is going to ever be on the side of death and killing and hostage taking like what the fuck obviously but we are so getting caught up in the condemnation of it all that we're not breaking down the what's happening of it all does this make sense october 7th did not happen in a bubble and honestly i don't care how far back you go october 7th was terrible and honestly the world's never going to be the same but you know the world wasn't the same on october sixth either the u.n has called Gaza an open air prison. The IDF has used white phosphorus on civilians. White phosphorus. That's a war crime, by the way. You know what that does? That burns your skin to the bone. And again, I'm not dismissing the deaths of innocent Israelis, but since October 7th, the death toll has been rather static. Whereas the Palestinian death toll continues to rise exponentially. There's folks still under the rubble, innocent folks under rubble, rubble that used to be a hospital or a mosque. Hamas ain't in the West Bank. Why are Israeli settlers with the backing of the IDF killing innocent Palestinians in the West Bank? I still can't get an answer to that one. 60 or so Hamas officials have been neutralized. 10,000 Palestinians are dead. Thousands of kids. What the f- kind of ratio is that? It's an asymmetrical one. And it is absolutely by design. And this all has to stop. I and so many of us in Kansas City, we've been trying to call for Representative Emanuel Cleaver, that's my rep here in the Missouri 5th, to call for a ceasefire. Like, come on, man. A pause? What are they calling it? A humanitarian pause? That ain't gonna work. And all this is happening on our dime. It's just terrible. My heart breaks. And I have done some organizing and have met folks from Al Hadaf. It is a local Palestinian led org here in town dedicated to the centering of Palestinian voices and the liberation of Palestine. Hearing their stories, I mean my heart breaks. My heart breaks for everybody. And even having this conversation hundreds and hundreds of miles away is a privilege that I do not take lightly and it needs to be handled with grace and humility. And with the through line, I hope that is life and light. And this matters in Kansas City because you know what? Displacement there is displacement here and everywhere. I am not a foreign policy expert and I have not played one on TV. But I'll be honest, this is not complicated. How we get there is, but this ain't complicated. End the occupation, end the apartheid ethno state that is the IDF. Netanyahu is a war criminal and a wannabe dictator. I mean, even like liberal Zionists here in the US, I mean, they would admit that Netanyahu's a <laughs> lunatic. And we're gonna send him more money and more arms. Zionism, as well-intended as it was or may have been, there are different strands of Zionism. Some of them was like even utopian, and it included everybody, not just other Zionists. But where we currently are, it is a racist project. An ethnostate is a racist project, and it is not anti-Semitism to say that. And that being said, on the show today, we're going to hear first from Congressperson Rashida Tlaib. She was censured on the House floor today. 22 Democrats, alongside every Republican, voted to censure Representative Tlaib. Shameful. All 22 of them need to be primaried, including Josh Gottheimer, who is an actual racist. So we will play the entire speech from Rashida Tlaib, the speech she gave right before she was censured. After that, we're going to hear from Tanahasi Coates, the renowned author and scholar, intellectual, all those things. He spoke on Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, spoke on the uncanny parallels of occupied gaza and the west bank and the jim crow south it is not lost on me that the only folks in the house of representatives who have called for a ceasefire now are in fact people of color not lost on me whatsoever some absolutely incredible solidarity rates reviews, subscribe do that thing that you do kansas city my name is hartsel it is a good day to be a kansas cityan None of us are free until we all are free. And Palestine needs to be free. We will see you in the morning. Bye. Ah!
2: On Tuesday, the House of Representatives voted to censure Democratic Congressmember Rashida Tlaib, the only Palestinian-American in Congress, for her criticism of Israel. The vote was 234 to 188, with 22 Democrats joining Republicans to censure Tlaib. Prior to the vote, the Congresswoman spoke from the House floor.
4: I'm the only Palestinian-American serving in Congress, Mr. Chair, and my perspective is needed here now more than ever. I will not be silenced, and I will not let you distort my words. Folks forget I'm from the city of Detroit, the most beautiful blackest city in the country where I learned to speak truth to power even if my voice shakes. Trying to bully or censor me won't work because this movement for a ceasefire is much bigger than one person. It's growing every single day. There are millions of people across our country who oppose Netanyahu's extremism and are done watching our government support collective punishment and the use of white phosphorus bombs that melt flesh to the bone. They are done watching our government, Mr. Chair, supporting cutting off food, water, electricity, and medical care to millions of people with nowhere to go. Like me, Mr. Chair, they don't believe the answer to war crimes is more war crimes. The refusal of Congress and the administration to acknowledge Palestinian lives is chipping away at my soul. Over 10,000 Palestinians have been killed. Majority, majority were children. But let me be clear, my criticism has always been of the Israeli government and Netanyahu's actions. It is important to separate people and governments, Mr. Chair, no government is beyond criticism. The idea that criticizing the government of Israel is anti-Semitic sets a very dangerous precedent, and it's being used to silence diverse voices speaking up for human rights across our nation. Do you realize what it's like, Mr. Chair, for the people outside the chamber right now, listening in agony to their own government dehumanizing them? To hear the President of the United States we helped elect dispute death tolls as we see video after video of dead children and parents under rubble. Mr. Chair, do you know what it's like to fear rising hate crimes, to know how Islamophobia and anti-Semitism makes us all less safe, and worry that your own child might suffer the horrors that six-year-old Wadiah did in Illinois. I can't believe I have to say this, but pa- Palestinian people are not disposable.
2: As Congressmember Rashida Tlaib composed herself, her sister Congresswoman, Ilhan Omar, put her hand on her shoulder, the only other Muslim woman in Congress. We
4: are human beings, just like anyone else. My city, my grandmother, like all Palestinians, just wants to live her life with freedom and human dignity we all deserve. Speaking up to save lives, Mr. Chair, no matter faith, no matter ethnicity, should not be controversial in this chamber. The cries of the Palestinian and, ch- Palestinian and Israeli children sound no different to me. Why? What I don't understand is why the cries of Palestinians sound different to you all. We cannot lose our shared humanity, Mr. Chair. I hear the voices of advocates in Israel in Palestine, across America, and around the world for peace. I am inspired by the courageous, the courageous survivors in Israel who have lost loved ones, yet are calling for a ceasefire and the end to violence. I am grateful to the, to the people in the streets for the peace, peace movement, with countless Jewish Americans across the country standing up and lovingly saying, not in our name. We will continue to call for a ceasefire, Mr. Chair, for the immediate delivery of critical humanitarian aid to Gaza, for the release of all hostages and those arbitrarily detained, and for every American to come home. We will continue to work for a real lasting peace that upholds human rights and dignity of all people and centers in peaceful coexistence between Israelis and Palestinians and censures no one, not no one, and ensures that no person, no child has to suffer or live in fear of violence. of Michigan Democrats support a ceasefire. So you can try to censor me, but you can't silence their voices. I urge my colleagues to join with the majority of Americans and support a ceasefire now to save as many lives as possible. President Biden must listen to and represent all of us, not just some of us. I urge the president to have the courage to call for a ceasefire and the end of killings. Thank you, and I yield.
2: That's Detroit Congress member Rashida Tlaib, the only Palestinian-American speaking on the House floor before the House voted to censure her for her criticism of Israel.
5: Every day we tell each other that this day will be, will be the last and tomorrow. We all can go home free and all this will follow. Palestine, tomorrow will be free Palestine, tomorrow will be free Father to wipe away my tears. That's why I won't cry. I feel scared, but I won't show my fears. I keep my head high deep in my heart. I never have any doubt about this time. This entity of life and all those other lives I know that I'm only child, but is your caution still alive?
3: Pressure builds for a ceasefire of Israel's bombardment of Gaza. We spend the rest of the hour with the acclaimed author and journalist Tanahasi Coates. This summer, he spoke at a literary festival in the West Bank that connected the Palestinian struggle with decolonization struggles around the world. In Ramallah, he opened his remarks with a comparison between the struggle of African Americans and Palestinians. In recent weeks, Coates joined dozens of other writers and artists in signing an open letter from participants in the Palestine Festival of Literature that was published in the New York Review of Books and called for, quote, the international community to commit to ending the catastrophe unfolding in Gaza and to finally pursuing a comprehensive and just solution, political solution, in Palestine.
2: Last night, Tanahasi Coates participated in another event hosted by organizers of the Palestine Festival of Literature, or PALFest, in the James Chapel at Union Theological Seminary here in New York City. It was cold but we must speak on Palestine and the mandates of conscience. Tanahashi is a recipient of a prestigious MacArthur fellowship and the recipient of numerous prizes including the National Book Award for his book Between the World and Me. We Were Eight Years in Power is another book, an American tragedy, and his memoir, The Beautiful Struggle. His novel is titled The Water Dancer. In 2014, he wrote an award-winning cover story for The Atlantic magazine, headlined The Case for Reparations. Tanahasi, welcome back to Democracy Now! It's great to have you with us under extremely difficult circumstances. Last night, this remarkable event almost didn't happen. I mean, it was in the James Chapel of Union Theological Seminary, but venue after venue had said no to this gathering, and without almost any publicity. Well over a thousand people turned out, but the place only held 300, so people went over across the street to another place of 300, overcrowded, overthrow, and then thousands watched on the live video stream. Can you talk about your experience being in the West Bank, uh, going to the occupied territories, um, and how it changed you?
6: Oh, wow. Um, I I spent 10 days um, in Palestine, in the occupied territories, and in in Israel proper. Um, I've had the great luxury over the past 10 years of seeing uh, a few countries. Uh, I have not spent more time or seen more of uh, another country or another territory than than I did uh, this summer. Um, I think what shocked me the most was uh, in any sort of um, opinion piece or reported piece or or whatever you want to call it that I've read uh, about Israel and about the conflict with the Palestinians. There's a word that comes up uh, all the time and it is complexity. That and its uh, closely related uh, adjective complicated. And so while I had my skepticisms and I had my suspicions of the Israeli government, of the occupation, um, what I expected was that I would find... A situation in which it was hard to discern right from wrong, it was hard to understand the morality at play, um, it was hard to understand the conflict, and perhaps the most shocking thing was uh, I immediately understood uh, what was going on over there. Probably the best example I, I, I can think of is, is, is the second day uh, when we went to Hebron, and, and, and the reality of the occupation. Uh, became clear. We were driving uh, out of East Jerusalem. I was with uh, the Palestinian, uh, the, I was with Palfest um, and we were driving out of East Jerusalem uh, into the West Bank and you, know, you could see the settlements and they would point out the settlement and it suddenly dawned on me that I was in a region of the world where some people could vote and some people could not. And that was obviously very, very familiar to me. I got to Hebron and we got out as a group of writers and we were given a tour by a Palestinian guide and we got to uh, a certain street and he said to us, I can't walk down this street. If you want to continue, you have to continue without me. And, and, and that was shocking to me. And we, we, we walked down the street and we came back and there was a, a market area. Hebron uh, is very very poor. It wasn't always very poor, but it is it, very very poor. It's a market area has been shut down But there are a few vendors there that, that, that I wanted to support and I was walking to try to get to the vendor and I was stopped at a checkpoint Checkpoints all through the city the checkpoints obviously all through the West Bank. Uh, your mobility is, is, is completely uh, Inhibited and the mobility of, 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 of the Palestinians is totally inhibited And I was walking to the checkpoint and an Israeli uh, guard I uh, stepped out, probably about the age of my son. And he said to me, What's your religion, bro? And I said, Well, I don't, you know, I'm 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 not really religious. And he said, Come on, stop messing around. What is your religion? I said, I'm I'm not playing, I'm not, I'm not really religious. And it became clear to me that unless I professed my religion and the right religion. I wasn't going to be allowed to walk forward. So he said, well, okay. so what was your parents' religion? I said, well, they weren't that religious either. He says, what were your your grandparents' religion? And I said, my grandmother was a Christian. And then he allowed me to pass. And it became very, very clear to me what was going on there. And I have to say, it, it, it was quite familiar. Again, I was in a territory where your mobility is inhibited, where your voting rights are inhibited, where your right to the water is inhibited, where your right to housing is inhibited, and it's all inhibited based on ethnicity. And that sounded extremely, extremely familiar to me. And so the most shocking thing about my time over there was how uncomplicated it actually is. Now, I'm not saying the details of it are not complicated. History is always complicated. Present events are always complicated. But the way this is reported in the Western media is as though one needs a PhD in Middle Eastern studies to understand the basic morality of holding a people in a situation in which they don't have basic rights, including the right that we treasure most, the franchise, the right to vote, and then declaring that state a democracy. It's actually not that hard to understand. It's actually quite familiar to those of us uh, with a familiarity to African uh, American history.
3: Well, Tanahasi quotes, last night you were asked about the significance of Martin Luther King's words on Vietnam. You said it's taken you years to, quote, understand nonviolence as an ethic and that you understood that ethic in Israel. Could you explain?
6: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, and, I, and I think the thing to do is just to proceed off of, of, off of what I said. M- Martin Luther King uh, dedicated his life to the fight against segregation. Israel's a segregated society. The occupied territories are segregated. They're just segregated. It's not, you know, hard to understand. There are different signs for where different people can go. They're different license plates forbidding different people from going different places. Now, what the authorities will tell you is that this is a, a security measure. But if you go back to the history of Jim Crow in this country, they would tell you the exact same thing. People always have good reasons besides you know, I hate you and I don't like you to justify their right for imposing an oppressive regime on other people. It's never quite that simple. And so that was the first thing, but but the second thing I think that you're referring to is, you know I, I you know this is like really personal for me, um, because I came up in a, in a in a time and in a place where um I did not really understand the ethic of nonviolence. And by ethic, I mean the notion that violence itself is corrupting, that it corrupts the soul. And I didn't quite understand that. If, 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 if I'm truly honest with you, um, as much as I saw my relationship with the Palestinian people there, and as much as it was clear what the relationship was, it was at the same time clear that there was some sort of relationship with the israeli people too and it wasn't one that i particularly enjoyed because i understood the rage that comes when you have a history of oppression i understood the anger i understood the sense of humiliation that comes when people subject you to uh uh just manifold oppression to genocide and people uh, look away from that. I come from the descendants of 250 years of enslavement. I come from a people who uh, sexual violence and rape is marked in our very bones and in our DNA. And I understand how when you feel that the world has turned its back on you, how you can then turn your back on the ethics of the world. But I also understood how corrupting that can be. I was listening to uh, 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 actually my congressman <laughs> last night, uh, or I guess it was two nights ago to talk on the news, and, and, and um, a journalist asked him, how many children, how many people must be killed to justify this operation? Is there an upper limit for the number of people that could be killed when you would say, this is just too much. This just doesn't, this just doesn't you know, uh, uh, compute. This does not add up. And I have to tell you, that congressman couldn't give a number. And I thought that man has been corrupted. That man has lost himself. He's lost himself in humiliation. He's lost himself in vengeance. He has lost himself in violence. I keep hearing this term repeated over and over again. The right to self-defense. What about the right to dignity? What about the right to morality? What about the right to to be able to sleep at night? Because what I know is if I was complicit and I am complicit and dropping bombs on children, and dropping bombs on refugee camps, no matter who's there, it would give me trouble sleeping at night. And I worry for the souls of people who can do this and can sleep at night.
2: Let me ask you, Tanahasi. <clears throat> last night, as I said at the beginning, I think Union Theological was the fifth place uh, that Palfest had turned to for this event. Um, with I, I want to point out who was there among the speakers was you, you know, a MacArthur Genius Fellow. Was Michelle Alexander, um, uh, the remarkable author um, and lawyer. Uh, Rashid Khalidi, uh, leading Palestinian-American scholar, Edward Said Professor of Arab Studies at Columbia University, and others. And you being at Union Theological, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King is known for that speech, Why Oppose the War in Vietnam, that he gave across the street at Riverside Church, When he started at Union Theological. So many people came, he had to go across the street for it. Um, but can you talk about this difficulty in speaking out? I mean, just last week we spoke to Viet Thanh Nguyen, who is the Vietnamese American Pulitzer Prize-winning author who was on a book tour for his latest memoir. And the 92nd Street Y, known at, now known as 92NY, canceled his conversation about his memoir because he had signed onto a letter, I think it was signed by 750 other people calling for a ceasefire. The U.N. Secretary General has called for a Gaza ceasefire. Can you talk about what it means to break the sound barrier? And if you were nervous about coming out and speaking about Gaza, about the West Bank, even going to begin with, knowing what you would feel responsible for doing once you came out
6: yeah I wasn't just nervous. I was afraid um i you know i i I hear people um talk all the time about the 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 how fearlessness is is a necessary quality and and I have never had that <laughs> I've never had that in my life um and I certainly have never had that in my career um I spent five days with powell Fest when I was over there, and then I spent another five days with a group of Israeli Jews. Um, and I knew that whatever I was going to see it, it, like I, I had a, a sentiment I couldn't express it like I just expressed it for you right now because obviously I hadn't been at, but I had a sentiment that what I was going to see was not going to be great um, and I know that A because of my upbringing and I know that B because of my vocation as a journalist you, you, you can't behold evil and then return and not speak on it and segregation is evil. It just says no, there's there's no way for me as an African American to come back and stand before you to witness segregation and not say anything about it. One of the hardest things um, was to come back and then to read the rhetoric of certain African American politicians who are defending this regime. And, and i just i i i couldn't understand it you know i wanted to know if they had been to hebron you know i, I wanted to know if they had been to master if they had been the sushi if they had been to, to Tubat. Had, had they seen had they really seen you know what is actually happening here I, I i don't know how anybody who benefits who stands on the shoulders of our ancestors struggle against jim crow against segregation could see what is happening right now, could see the bombs being dropped, 9,000 people dead, uh, ungodly number of them children in service of Jim Crow and segregation, which we have exploited, and be okay with that. I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. So yes, I have my fears. I do. I do. I'm, you know, I'm afraid right now, sitting here talking to you. But I have to measure my fear against the misery that I saw. I have to measure my fear against the promises that I made to the Palestinians who welcomed me into their homes and gave me the facts to the Israeli Jews who welcomed me into their homes and gave me the facts to the Holocaust survivors who welcomed me into their homes and gave me the facts. I have to measure it against my own ancestors against Frederick Douglas, against Ida B. Wells, who certainly faced off against things that were much, much more perilous than going someplace, coming back and telling people what you saw. This is the minimum. It's scary, but, uh, but it's also the minimum. And the fact that people are trying to suppress speech is not an excuse for you not to speak. It's always been this way for black writers and journalists. This is our tradition, you know? And so I, I feel, as I, as I do feel, the fear, I also feel that I am in good company because I'm in the company of my ancestors.
3: Well, ta I want to ask you about the way in which this conflict is, in fact, being represented uh, in the media. And as as you pointed out, politicians, Congress members, uh, but also the White House. On Monday, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre compared pro-Palestinian protesters to the white supremacists who took part in the deadly Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, in 2017. She made the comment in response to a question from Fox News' Peter Ducey. Doesn't
0: Biden think the anti-Israel protesters in this country are extremists?
4: What I can say is what we've been very clear about this. When it comes to anti-Semitism, there is no place. We have to make sure that we speak against it very loud uh, and be uh, and be very clear about that. Remember what the president decided to, when the president decided to run for president is what he saw in Charlottesville in 2017, when we, he saw uh, neo-Nazis marching down the streets of Charlottesville uh, with vile anti-Semitic uh, just hatred and he was very clear then and he's very clear now uh, he's taken in actions against this over the past two years and he's continued to be clear there is no place no place for this type of violence and despite despite this this kind of rhetoric
3: so Tanahasi coates that's white house press secretary karine jean-pierre your response
6: you know i, I don't i don't want to personalize this I, I'm, I'm sure um, She's a very you know, nice person and uh, you know, a very, very kind person. But um, you see, all of us stand on the shoulders of Martin Luther King. All of us stand on the shoulders of, 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 of the nonviolent struggle. And on King's birthday, the White House, like it's done for years, stands up and you know, it uh, praises Dr. King and it talks about Dr. King as our modern day prophet. Um, I don't know how these people do that and sleep at night. I, I, I don't know how you compare people who are trying to stop a war, who are very much in the tradition of nonviolence, who are trying to stop bombs being dropped, literally, on refugee camps to neo-Nazi protesters. Uh, it's, 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 it's disgraceful, to use her own words. It's disgraceful. It's reprehensible. Um, It is offensive as far as I am concerned to the shoulders on on who on on those whom we stand right now. Um, I just I I don't I don't I don't understand it. I I would extend this further. I mean, I I, I think um, hearing President Biden himself and here I will personalize it downplay uh, 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 the number of, of Palestinian deaths. To say that he doesn't believe the Palestinians, I, I just, when his own State Department was citing those figures only months ago, you know, I, there is a, at, at, at some point, you know, there's that, that, that saying, when people show you who they are, you have to believe them. And so I've spent a lot of time trying to do the polit- political calculus on this. And I think at a certain point, we have to just stop and say they, they believe it. They believe it. They believe bombs should be dropped on children. They just think it's Okay. They think it's okay, or at the very least, they think it's the price of doing business. Um, that's not an ethic I can align myself from, because if I, as I've said several times in this interview, I come from a history where people once made the exact same calculus about us and took stances that we would now say are immoral. But see, the test isn't what you did in the past. The test is what you do in the moment right now. I'm a writer. I, I would be much more comfortable. I was working on you know, a book about this. Um, I would be much more comfortable sitting at home writing about this before I'm here talking to you guys right now. It is not my nature to talk about things that I have not written about yet, um, but one has to balance one's responsibility against the suffering, against the death, against the body count. And, and to see what is coming out of this White House um, right now, is, just, is just, it's morally reprehensible. I, I, again, I, I don't know how, how people sleep at night.
2: You've been talking about Dr. King, Um, his daughter, uh, Dr. Bernice King, who heads the King Center lawyer, um, uh, Martin Luther King's youngest daughter, responded to a post by the comedian Amy Schumer, who shared a video of Dr. Mm -hmm. King condemning anti-Semitism and defending Israel's right to exist. Bernice King Mm -hmm. wrote, quote, Certainly my father was against anti-Semitism. He also believed militarism, along with racism and poverty, to be among the interconnected triple evils. I am certain he would call for Israel's bombing of Palestinians to cease, Dr. Bernice King said. And so if you could comment on this and also talk about um, how the issue of Palestinians, the occupied territories, the occupation, um, has been raised in the black community, the movement for black lives, for years now, and the pressure you come under when you do.
6: Yeah, and, and, and look, I, I think it's very, very important to talk about the force of anti-Semitism in history, indeed, in American history, uh, in, in fact. Um, it's, it's a very, very, very real thing, and I don't think you can understand the events at a moment without understanding, you know, that. And, and, and I think over the past uh, few, few weeks, especially, much has been made about the, the uh, historic alliance between uh, black folks and, and, and Jewish activists and Jewish folks and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and it, it's, it's a very, very real thing. It's a very, very important thing. But I think, like any alliance, it is, it is, it is at its best when it grounds itself in moral principle. Um, not in a kind of gang truce, not in a kind of, I had your back, so you'll have mine. Um, a moral alliance that is transactional is actually, in fact, not a moral alliance. And we have always been at our best. When, you know, when I think about the, um, uh, the Jewish civil rights workers who went south and put their bodies on the line for the civil rights movement, um, I like to think, and I think it's true, that that was not a transactional arrangement. That was not, you know, an attempt to say, look, I'm, I'm doing this because I think you'll have my back in the future. They did it because it was right. They did it based on principle. And so, you know, I think some of the frustration um, that certain, certain people feel about the lack of anti, uh, about the lack of uh, uh, African-American support uh, for this war comes from this notion that, that, that we should have people's back as they drop bombs to try to defend a segregationist apartheid regime. We shouldn't do that, and we haven't done that. that that's the history that, that you allude to. I mean, going back to Angela Davis, to SNCC, to Black Lives Matter, I, I, I stand here, or I sit here very, very humbly as, as, as a latecomer to the cause, but, you know, someone who has come to the cause. Of, um, nonetheless, uh, we have to stand on principle, man. We have to stand on principle. And if I'm a latecomer to the Palestinian cause, I'm also a latecomer to the cause of nonviolence. But I'm here now. You know? and, and, and knowing what that has meant to our history, you know, to our, there is no way in the world that we can leverage the memory of Dr. Martin Luther King. There's no way in the world we can leverage uh, the weight, the ancestry of our movement in defense of a war, in defense of indiscriminate bombings or refugee we just we can't do that we can't do that we would be a disgrace to to, to our ancestors
3: Tanahasi last night just uh, uh, to end you said um We've just spoken about the fact that it was so difficult for uh, the Palestine uh, Festival of Literature to find a venue for last night's event. Your own books here in the U.S. Uh, have faced book bans, uh, and yours aren't the only ones, of course. But you've said that when people resort to these measures, book banning, limiting public discussions, these are weapons of a weak and a decaying order. Could you explain what you mean by that and why there is, uh, despite the horror of the moment, some scope for optimism?
6: Well, I, I think if you, uh, and, and, and a lot of this is, you know, actually from my time talking to Rashid Khalidi and uh, Professor Rashid Khalidi up at, up at Columbia. And one of the points he made, um, you know, I came back from uh, Palestine and I, you know, I just was glass-eyed. I didn't understand, I, I've, you know, I had this, deep-seated feeling that, 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 in fact, I had been lied to. And I, I began consulting people and talking to people. And so I got to spend some time with, with uh, Professor Khalidi. And, and one of the things he said to me was, it, it never has the movement, this is somebody who's been you know, fighting this war for his entire life, it never has the movement been as powerful as it is right now. And I had, you know, I had to take that in. I also have to take in the fact that Like when I think about what I did not know and when I did not know, it wasn't that I had competing sources and I didn't know what to turn. The way I think Americans have traditionally up until very recently. We have 10 seconds, Tallahassee. Sure. I'm sorry about that. Um, I will just say that uh, I'm very optimistic about uh, the fight and I think we're going to win. I'll leave it there. Tana Haseko,
2: acclaimed writer, National Book Award winner, spoke at an event last night organized by a Palestine Festival of Literature here in New York. We will link to the live stream. Before we end this update from Gaza, the Palestinian Waha news agency is reporting at least 27 people were killed today in an Israeli bombing of an UNRWA school in the Jabalia refugee camp, the largest refugee camp in Gaza. Oh, oh, oh.
0: فلسطيني على ارض انا لهلي انا انا دم فلسطيني 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 انا دم, فلسطيني ديني ديني أنا دم أنا والله انا دم فلسطيني 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 انا دم فلسطيني but us